Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a broadcast from the Global Authority in Mixed Martial Arts. The Shoe Dog Radio Network. Hey, Tim Sylvia Maniac. It's Chuck Jackson. This is Alex Overin. Hey, what's up? It's Enrique Rodriguez. Hi, this is George St. Pierre, and you're listening to TJ Defensa. Hey, guys, this is Boyce Grace. You're listening to P-Town on Sherdog Radio Network. You're listening to the P-Town on Sherdog Radio Network. Here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Hey, everybody, it's P-Town on the Sherdog Radio Network. I'm TJ DeSantis. Along with a gentleman who I kind of feel like is my adversary. Like we can't be friends. Like we are pitted against one another. Except the competition is lived vicariously through young college men. Easy now, don't get excited. It's Iowa, Ohio State week. Mr. Mike Fridley. It's a blackout in Iowa City on Saturday night. Dude, I, I love the the Jack and Carnesal styled opening, especially for a college football game. I love it. Yeah, I, that reminds me. I got to try to write a Jack and Carnesal type opening because I'm doing the roundtable later tonight. But uh, I'm, I'm torn, man. Like, I got to watch the UFC. It's the biggest UFC of the year. At least we're going to go with that because it's the one that's before us. Um, mm-hmm. And man. Ohio and Iowa doing war on the gridiron. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do, Mike Fridley? My job well, or what gonna, my heart wants me to do? You're going to miss the first fight or two. Like, it's oh. just, that's, what, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'll I, tell you that. And it, it might have to be done. It's going to be a blackout in Iowa City. I mean, let's be real. The Buckeyes are going to win. But I want it to be within 10. If we can keep it within 10, it's another loss. But two of our losses are going to be with top-ranked schools one of which you just beat, by the way. Congrats, uh, Penn State. Nice, nice one to take down. Um, you, you guys are in the mix. You, you're gonna, you, I, you might very well win the Big Ten. Yeah, let me just circle back just a little bit to uh, feeling like you, you are my adversary. Let, let me just first off say that uh, I am not a uh, a crap talking sports fan, and uh, the truth is, I, I have a ton of respect for Iowa. I have uh, I've told you that before that I remember uh, very hard battles that we had against them, including. Uh, uh, some of my earliest memories of uh, Hayden Fry kicking Ohio State's ass. Right. Um, I have to. I have to tell you that Anthony Hitchens is one of my favorite Cowboys, who is obviously a uh, uh, former middle linebacker at Iowa. Uh, I- definitely my favorite. I- definitely my favorite Iowa player of all time. Um, 
I, I got tons of respect for you guys. And, uh, you know, if you weren't playing us, I would probably be rooting for you. Uh, Iowa is actually uh, one of my uh, preferred schools in the Big Ten, uh, just due to my history watching the program. And uh, I, I've always liked them. And uh, even just going back a generation, I always liked Bob Sanders and Dallas Clark when they were teamed with uh, Peyton Manning and the Colts, uh, two good Iowa players. And uh, – <clears throat> Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Bob Stoops from Iowa as well? Didn't he play football yes, in Iowa? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nicely done. You you yeah. do know this program qu- quite well. Well, Bob Stoops, I, I'm, I do know the pro. Well, I know the Big Ten well, but the reason why I know Bob Stoops, Bob Stoops is from Ohio, and he's from Youngstown, and Youngstown is Jim Tressel's hometown and countless other Ohio State figures throughout history. So for a guy from Youngstown to play football at Iowa, right. end, up, end up coaching back in Ohio and then going to Oklahoma and leading them to national titles – is, uh, is, is kind of an interesting story for me, and I always remember that, you know, how this guy ended up in Iowa. Um, but, uh, I, dude, I, I like Iowa. I always have. And uh, uh, you don't have to feel the same way about Ohio State. I know that oh, uh, maybe you jealous. do not. I'm just jealous. I don't really dislike Ohio State. Um, I, I just, I mean, when's the last time Ohio State finished with three losses? Do you remember? I mean, has it been, it doesn't happen. Often. Fickle, right? Right before Urban Meyer, right. it was the transition. Right. It was a transition between Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer. There was one year where we had an interim coach, Luke Fickle, and we lost the games that year. Yeah, but I mean, like yeah. for for the most part, you guys are always circling that Big Ten title game uh, on the calendar. Sure. And uh, you know, I just wish that was the case. I mean, Iowa. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, maybe maybe this goes back to me being a Minnesota Twins fan. Um, it's mm-hmm. hard to be a a, a small market sports team fan, and uh, that's definitely what the Minnesota Twins are. The Iowa Hawkeyes are not a major player, per se, in the Big Ten, but always are scrappy and, you know, and the off chance a couple breaks their way, and then they're in Indy playing for the Big Ten title. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a little uh, bit better, but it's still, I still feel like we're the, the little brother, you know, punching up. I don't see it that way. I I do view the Big Ten as kind of a tier system. Like there is, a, you know, obviously Ohio State and that team up north are going to be your upper echelon just in terms of history. Right. But I definitely put I definitely put Iowa in that next tier with Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin. Like you you guys are right there, and you guys have had an undefeated regular season within the last ten years or so. Yeah, two years ago. Maybe fifteen years. Two years ago. Two years right. ago. Well then, two. Well then, you've done it twice in the last ten or fifteen years, though, because you guys did it. Yeah, uh, two thousand two. I think was, would. Brad Banks. Brad Banks. Was I don't think it would have been two thousand two. Two thousand two. No, no. Well, no, yeah, no. that is. The, you're right because Ohio State and Iowa yeah. both went undefeated, and we didn't play each other. Yep. in the Big Ten. You're right. Yep. yep. Right. I, didn't you guys win the national championship that year? We sure did. Yeah. We sure did. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I am not a. Uh, uh, I don't like to talk trash on other people's programs, or you know, especially. Uh, when we're about to play each other, or even if we beat you or you beat us, I will be the first to congratulate you. And there's this thing that happens on Twitter uh, where our personalities are kind of out there. So, of course, when Oklahoma smoked Ohio State earlier this year, what what do I come home to? I come home to my Twitter feed blowing up with Oklahoma fans telling me to go suck myself. Wow. They, they, can, they can settle down. Come on. I mean, I, here's the yeah. problem. Here's the problem, though, too. I'll give I'll give Ohio State credit because look at you guys going out of the Big Ten Conference play, you know, the, the quote-unquote preseason play almost, if you will, and actually playing a real tough team. Iowa, yeah, we're playing Northern Texas or whatever. You know what I mean? So uh, the Big Ten, I'm sorry, for the most part, 
they just don't sign up for hard games outside of Big Ten play, and uh, Iowa is definitely guilty of that. Uh, next year, I believe we open up with TCU. Uh, that's TCU that was number three, or yeah. maybe even number two before they lost this weekend. Yep. Um, didn't they lose to Iowa State? They did. Iowa State, who the Hawkeyes beat this year, um, which, so it looks really good for for also Iowa. beat Oklahoma. Yeah, no, they're 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 legit, legit. Like Iowa State is going to be top fifteen, top ten. Mm-hmm. So Iowa State, who's historically terrible, but that that's what I love about college sports. Like I know everyone's like, why are you, the you, the biggest UFC of the year, three title fights is on Saturday, and here you guys are talking college football. Um, yeah, because college football is pure and innocent and awesome. Maybe it's not yeah, that pure so and innocent. Let's just- but- well, let's just get the football stuff out of the way before we move on to an hour of MMA here. We usually close the show with Ohio, Minnesota. Are you up for a special edition Ooh. of Ohio football or Iowa football? Yeah, I mean, I have to get this right. I mean, you tried to do me with a pink locker room last time, which was ridiculous, but let's go. Okay, so no Googling, and it takes me a, a while to read what is going on here, so... I'm sure that you would have time to punch the name in and, and get a quick, uh, yeah, get a quick whatever. I can't chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. So, me neither. So there is a man that played at either Ohio State or Iowa. Uh-huh. His number was 77. He is a member of the College Football of Fame. He was, I'm sorry, he moonlighted as a professional wrestler named Dick the Bruiser. And he was featured in a very famous 1970s movie starring Mel Brooks and Richard Pryor called Blazing Saddles. If you don't know who I'm talking about already, let me know and I will give you a name. But that should be enough information to answer this question either way. If not, I'll give you more information. I mean, I, I know who you're talking. I know Dick the Bruiser. I don't know his real name. And I sure as hell don't know who he played college football for. I mean, okay. Well, I would, he's a lot more famous as a football player than he is an actor or Dick the Bruiser. Really? So maybe you're thinking of, an, of another Dick the Bruiser because this guy is uh, he's, he's pretty famous. If you've if you've never heard of him, I will be surprised. Considering again, he is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, uh, a three-time All-American at uh, one of these fine schools. I will give you his name is Alex Karras. Alex Karras. Did this man play football at Ohio State or the University of Iowa? I'm going to say Ohio State because I don't know who this person is. Really? I don't know who this is. Alex Karras. Have you never seen Blazing Saddles? It's the guy that punches the horse. I've seen Blazing Saddles one time, and it's because Dave Mandel and and Greg Savage made me in a, uh, actually, it's funny, in a Columbus hotel room. That's kind of a weird tie-in here. Uh, It's a very Columbus thing to do. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, I had no idea that. Dick the Bruiser, uh, I'm looking it up to make sure that we're thinking of the same Dick the Bruiser, and we are. Um, he went to Iowa? Played football for Iowa? Sure. Wow. Sure. That's crazy. Wow, I got one wrong. I thought he for was sure I was going to get that right. Also a four-time NFL Pro Bowler. So we're not talking about somebody that just uh, you know, kind of got in the league and, and, and hung around for a couple years. We're talking about a legit star here in Alex, Alex Karras. Dang. All Mongo. Right. Mongo. Mongo for Blazing Saddles. Oh, man. I worked with a guy on the radio in Minneapolis who stole that name for his radio name. From from Mongo McMichael, maybe? No, no, no. Was he a four horseman? He was a four horseman. But no, no. Mongo 
at 93X, stole it from Blazing Saddles. Mm. Don't you hate, like, uh, I'm not sure how much uh, you are on your on your FM history or, or anything like that. I know you worked in it for a long time, but I don't know how much you listen. Uh, if I say the name Baba Booey, you know who that is? Yeah, of course. Gary Delabate. Gary Delabate. By the so, way, the morning show I worked for beat Howard Stern in Minneapolis, for the record. Very interesting. Yeah. That is that is extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of crappy how now every radio station has a Baba Booey. Well, I mean, where that, that, that that's his identity, and not only that, it was literally a, a slip of speech because the character, the comic book, is called Baba Louie, and he ends up he he goofs up and says Baba Booey on the air, right? And it's like one of those things where the good nickname you never assign to yourself, they just kind of stick on you for so, something you did. I've never heard of anyone steal Baba Booey as a nickname on a radio station. Um, oh, the, Google it. They are everywhere. There's a dude. That's ridiculous. There's a sports dude in Columbus that goes by the name Bob Bowie, and it makes me sick. You can't do that. That's like being a professional wrestler and being called Hulk Hogan. Like, there's one. You can't be that guy. Uh, that that. Oh man, I would just that that would. I, if I was the program director, I would not allow that. I'm telling you. Um, yep. Very. That's. It incites me a little bit. Like I'm kind of. I'm, I'm agitated now. This is yeah. prob- the problem with radio, to- by the way. This is the problem with FM radio. It's like no one can have an original idea ever, and uh, let's just steal something that works for somebody else, and hopefully it'll work for us. Is there a morning zoo in Minneapolis? There's a morning zoo in every market. I happen to intern Same thing. for one, kind of. Same thing. Same concept as the the, st- the stealing of the names. There's a morning zoo well, in every freaking market. Yeah, but I mean, that that's that's a genre it's not necessarily like ripping off. Like it's a genre. Um, the morning show that I worked for, it it had zooish qualities, but one of its traits was actually making fun of itself for having the zooish qualities. So, yeah. Can you can you just call it something else instead of we are the morning zoo? Oh no, they didn't call themselves the morning zoo. Like when you say morning zoo to me, I think of what a morning zoo type of show encompasses. Like it's crazy. Like. Come down and do the stupidest stuff for concert tickets. Get a tattoo that says, I'm a big dummy, and we'll give you front row tickets to kiss. It's the morning zoo. <laughs> um, but yeah. 95X. Yeah. I mean, like, Breen and I used to make fun of the guy that replaced me at 93X. His name was Chuck Diesel. <laughs> His real name was Ben. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I mean, I had a terrible radio name that I never used myself, but. When I got on the air, it was just me. Hi, I'm TJ. How are you? Which is probably why I never made it. My my boss in the FM said, you know, man, like, the reason you never made it here is because you're just not a bro. You're just not a bro. Like, like Andy, he's a bro. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know what that means. And then he's like, you never come to the bars, man. You never come hang out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm 19. Dude, I'm you 19. were 14. Yeah, I'm like, I'm 19 years old, man. Like, Sorry. Uh, what's funny about it is I worked at this radio station for like 10 years and I, I left like shortly after I was able to drink, you know? So I don't know. Radio. You could have got your bro on. Seriously. Teddy bros out. Uh, Teddy bro water. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Um, last, hey. last football oh, go ahead, thing go here go before ahead. we move on. I want to talk I more broadcasting one... after football, but yeah, go ahead. Has any player at the University of Iowa ever won the Heisman Trophy? Yes, one. Niall, Niall Kinnick. Kinnick. Niall Kinnick, yep. I was just testing you, and uh, the, their stadium is called? 
Kinnick Stadium. All right. See, I, I'm impressed that you knew that. Why? You you you've redeemed yourself from the Alex Karras. I mean, I gaff. watch I watch every every Hawkeye game. So, uh, for the most part, I don't watch some of that early preseason, pre Big Ten season stuff because I know we're going to end up you know three and zero, four and zero. But it's neither here nor there. Uh, I did correctly predict that the Iowa Hawkeyes would lose to the University of North Dakota Bison uh, in March of last year before they lost in September. Is that Carson Wentz? Uh, yeah. Yep. Sure was. Sure was. That's a pretty good quarterback. No doubt about it. All right. Serious business now. Let's get to uh, some broadcasting talk, and I want to talk about it uh, <laughs> in the UFC variety. Um, okay. your call, Your commentators last Saturday night, in Sao Paulo, uh, John Gooden and Daniel Cormier. Um, Not a good show. The main event saw Leota Machida be knocked out by Derek Brunson. And my question for you, Mike Fridley, is what goes through your head when I say the Machida era? Um, it's it's just a soundbite from Joe Rogan, and it's it's there's no such thing as the Machida era. Well, don't tell that to John Gooden or Dan Cormier, who referenced the Machida era over and over again and talked about how great of a fighter you need to be if you kick off an era like Leota Machida did. Okay? Did that era last like one title defense, two maybe? So he had one successful title defense against Shogun Hua, who many people who won that fight. thought Shogun won, myself included. Then they rematched, and Shogun knocked him unconscious. Okay? So let's just put this into perspective. The Lyoto Machida era, about as long as the Anthony Pettis era. <laughs> why did someone from the truck, why didn't anybody go, stop saying Machida era? That's a tongue-in-cheek insult. The Joe Flacco era. <laughs> It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. It is. I just, I I mean, no offense to Leota Machida. He's a fantastic fighter, okay? Fantastic fighter. But coming off of a suspension, um, coming off of a title reign that was completely forgettable, um, not that he's fresh off the title reign, but my point is, like, you look at the history of Leota Machida, um, I don't think he's heralded as an all-time great. He's incredibly good and he's also innovative in the way that he used his karate style for mixed martial arts and knocked out some really big names but with all of that said this isn't a era defining fighter this isn't a John Jones this isn't a Chuck Liddell this isn't a Mark Coleman I I just I don't know like when I say Machida era I'm being condescending and smarmy if I were to say Machida era to Lyoto Machida, I would hope he would be offended. I just don't know how anyone didn't correct these guys in the booth. Okay, even if Lyoto Machida had a clean drug testing history, yeah. do you put him in the UFC Hall of Fame? No. I don't. I don't either. And with the ding, no effing way. Yeah. I no mean, Lyoto Machida's biggest wins to date— Rashad Evans, who, again, no offense to Rashad Evans, isn't a Hall of Famer in my book. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich Franklin. Uh, Rich Franklin in Inoki Bumbaye, which nobody saw. Um, he knocked out... Uh, 55-pound BJ Penn. Right. W- went the distance with him. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he knocked out Randy Couture. Like, that's... I mean, he did it with that teep kick to the face. Beyond that, like, what am I missing? Like, what are the highlights? I mean, heck of a fight with Chris Weidman. 
Don't get me wrong. Heck of a fight with Chris Weidman. But I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find that moment where I'm like, yeah, he's one of the best of all time. No doubt about it. Put this man in the Hall of Fame. This man ushered in an era, Mr. DeSantis. I mean, that's the thing. Show if, some respect. If it was Leota Machida's birthday and you said, what's your favorite Leota Machida moment? I would be like, well, there's so many to pick from during the era. And I would have said that before this happened on Saturday night. Like, it's, it's a condescending tongue-in-cheek joke. I just don't know how it flew for two-plus hours on FS1 where John Gooden and Dan Cormier talked about how the Machida era was a great defining moment for Leoto. If you asked me what is – if you just played word association and you said Leoto Machida, the first word that is going to pop up in my brain is piss – <laughs> do you right. remember? The, do you remember? Yeah. Like he's a piss drinker. Oh, absolutely. Him and uh, his his father, and I don't know about yeah. his brother, but yeah, no. I mean, got to get that uh, vitamin P. Yeah, cue up that necro track. Gross. Uh, uh. Uh, seriously, I I just I can't think of anything more disgusting. You know what the worst part is? If you are a person that is extremely hydrated, when you pee, it's pretty clear. Okay. Now, the pictures that I saw, I remember, uh, I think it was Marcelo Alonso oh, who, who dude, shot dude, the photos. Dude. You know what I'm talking hold on, about, right? Hold on. Let, let me finish this for you. Please. Let me just say that if University of Texas head coach Ooh. Tom Herman was running, if he was running Leota Machida's in camp, yeah. have you ever heard that this man has a, a urine color scale? Yes. <laughs> if you held up the color card up to your up to Leota Machida's cup of piss, right. he's literally going to be labeled a selfish teammate oh. <laughs> because his his piss looked like mustard. Seriously, like when you said University of Texas, I thought you were just going <laughs> to say it was that burnt orange because it pretty much was that color. This man pissed, he pissed mustard into a cup and drank it. Uh, it's just, oh my God. Like, I saw the photos of it. I was like, oh, that's incredibly salty piss. Like, that's <laughs> not, that's not that's, watered down piss. That's, uh, that, yeah. That's your first piss of the morning. Oh my God. Oh, oh, oh. We, we put a parental advisory on this show because, uh, like, I, I, it would not take much for me to dry heave right now. Um, uh. Don't, please. Seriously, I'll vomit all over this board. Uh, oh, man. I, I just, I don't know. Um, and, and at this point, the too. The do on the Sure Dog Radio. Network. I know. Get some. Um, looking at Leona Machida now, coming off this long layoff, getting knocked out by Derek Brunson, who, unfortunately for Brunson, I don't think that a star was made off of Leona Machida either. Like, Derek Brunson is still the same person I thought he was Friday. Um, as I did on Sunday morning, and he's a a good fighter. Uh, is he title bound? No. Um, for Leota Machida, I don't know where he goes. I don't know what his price tag is, and I really don't know if he is worth it for the UFC at this point. Um, you know, obviously they they can sign and and pass on whoever they want to, but I think at this point, Leota Machida is a guy that if the UFC decided to pass on, doesn't really hurt them by signing with a Bellator. Mm. I kind of lost me there. What do you mean? Like Skype? Can... Yes. Okay. I, I, I was saying that if Leota Machida were to be released by the UFC or not re-sign, 
I don't think it would hurt mm-hmm. the UFC. I think the UFC could let him go, and it doesn't look poorly uh, upon them. If he were to sign with the Bellator, I don't think it lends credibility or credence or brand awareness to Bellator MMA having Leota Machida, who at this point is a former UFC champion who didn't have the best title run. We both agree isn't UFC Hall of Fame bound and uh, is clearly past his prime. I think that we have seen his last fight in the UFC. And uh, I would honestly, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say I would be surprised if Bellator showed interest, but Bellator showed interest in Josh Koscheck. Sam Cecilia. I mean, come on, man. They're going to sign anybody. Like, I don't think it's the best look, but you know, they're, they're looking to sign anybody that they can get their hands on, and it's a win-win situation for them because if they get beat up on, then, oh, look, the Bellator fighter beat up the former UFC fighter, and if the UFC fighter does well, it's like, look, we got him. We're legit. Woo! I, I, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's really weird. I, I don't know if this... Uh, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Scott Coker and what he did with Strike Force. Strike Force was a true legit competitor and one of the world's best MMA promotions when they sold. I just for whatever reason I don't even think the the model is all that different. But how long has Coker been in charge of Bellator now? Two and a half years, three years? It just doesn't seem to be following the same path that Strikeforce did. No, Strikeforce built its own stars from within. And when I say that they groomed them, I mean, a lot of those, a lot of those guys made their debut in Strikeforce with like 2-0, 3-0 records. Right. Built, they built stars, and we were literally just talking about Derek Brunson a second ago. Mm-hmm. This is another you know, Strikeforce guy that was, was groomed from the ground up. Right. And you're seeing a little bit of this in Bellator, and some of them are actually fighting uh, uh, this weekend with right. your uh, your Logan Storleys and your Ed Ruth. And I like those it's, signings. Don't get me wrong. It just uh, it, We're so far off, though, from that. It, mm-hmm. it feels like, yeah. I mean, the, Ed Ruth is not going to be Tyron Woodley or anybody like that in the next six months mm-hmm. or a year. And it, yeah. and it just, I don't know. Yeah, uh, let me make your point here for you. The 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 top two fights on Friday's card are Ryan Bader against Linton Vessel. Ryan Bader was kind of unceremoniously dispatched from UFC, and Phil Davis versus Leonardo Lighty. So again, it, it, this is not the the Strike Force model of building your own stars. And if this was a Strike Force instead of Bellator, it probably would have been a Show XC fight. Right. And it would have been headlined well, by Ed Ruth or Logan Storley. And we'd have loved it. We, would, we wouldn't have oh, said yeah. anything bad about it. No, you, you bring up a good point. Um, I, I know that for maybe a lot of people listening to the show, um, if you were fans around the Strike Force era, um, you, you probably watched Show XC. But if you weren't a hardcore MMA fan at that time or – uh, weren't watching at that time, you probably never watched uh, a, a show XC or don't even really understand what it is. Um, when Elite XC uh, was on Showtime, they used to do these uh, show XC cards, which is it's kind of funny that they s- stuck with that name, uh, even though uh, Pro Elite and, and Elite XC went by the wayside. Um, but they were basically like, think Data White's Tuesday Night Contenders, but with more you know, established people and they, they really went hard on the prospects, putting them in the main event. And it was, it was, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I don't think they were on Saturday nights. I think they were Friday night fight cards and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they had a lot of 
fighters making their debut in Strike Force, and it was just like, hey, look, if there's nothing else going on tonight, flip over to Showtime and watch, uh, you know, the future of the sport today. And Tarek Safadine. Right. No, no doubt about it. I mean, Luke Rockhold got some some shine on Show XCs, I believe. You know, we, Dude, we and we loved it. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe maybe we're not seeing the forest from the trees here with Bellator's model because they don't have you know a contenders type series, and when they are on Spike TV, they got to try to pop a rating, and to do that, you need continuity, name recognition. So you you go with you know UFC retreads or you know the 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 sort of freak show fights that we've seen in, in some of these ten pole events. Um, I don't know though. It's just it's just it seems like it's not a priority to follow that path that Strikeforce did with Bellator. Yeah, it, I don't like this model as much as I like Strikeforce. And you, you actually brought up a good point saying that this is influenced by the need to get ratings. I can understand that. I just, I miss the days when it would have been something smaller and it would have been headlined by their own talent. I mean, even if you headline this card with uh, Lamalee McFarlane against Emily Ducote, right? I mean, those are two fighters that they have, they have built them as their own. And I know that uh, the soccer mom killer or, or whoever right, it was had a right. fight before. She, she had a fight before Bellator, but these are, you know, these women have, you know, made a name for themselves within the, the cages of Bellator. And I would like to see them get the shine. I don't have any and watching Ryan Bader or Phil Davis fight anymore. I just don't. No, and, I, and I'm with you. And I know that, you know, they're they're easily the best fighters that they have uh, in that division and can beat anybody on any given night. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, maybe I'm a weirdo. I, I like Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series because it was fighters that either I was casually aware of or had no idea who they were at all. And we got to know them very quickly over the course of a two-hour program. And, you know, I know people talk about oversaturation. I know that the quality of any mixed martial arts card is watered down with the exception of uh, a card like UFC 217 coming up this Saturday night. But with all of that said, if you are going to put on a show with relatively unknown fighters, the more you own it and sort of promote that idea, the more I can get behind it. And I would much rather be told, look, you don't know who these fighters are, but tune in tonight and figure out as they try to introduce themselves by shocking the world or whatever tagline you want to have. I am much more likely to watch that than, oh, Ryan Bader's going to fight Linton Vassell. Cool. Woo! It's hard, right? I mean, and don't get me wrong. Woo. Ryan Bader, fantastic fighter. I wanted to see Ryan Bader fight Daniel Cormier. I did. I, I'm pretty sure I know what would have happened. But I wanted to see it, and now that he's in Bellator, I don't really care. Maybe that makes me a bad MMA fan. I don't yeah, know. And I'm sh- no, but I'm sure you were so pumped for to see the last title fight between Ryan Bader and Phil Davis, which was a terrible first fight and an even worse rematch. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, two wrestlers, a fight with two wrestlers is going to go one of two ways. It's going to be an outstanding, scrappy, low technique, high entertainment kickboxing affair, or Mm -hmm. it's going to be two dudes that really don't do much. And we win by the narrowest of margins and whoever can land a few more shots ends up winning the fight. And you magnify it by having it be 25 minutes. And uh, I'm looking at angry birds on my phone or whatever equivalent uh, to my favorite app is at that moment in time, more than I'm looking at the screen. 
Yeah. Speaking of landing shots, Cole Covington. Woo! What did you think of his comments Saturday night? I loved it and hated it. Explain yourself. Sorry. Bless you, sir. Bless you. Thank um, you. I, I, I like the entertainment value. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of disgusted with how ridiculous he got. And also, too, at the same time, like, Colby Covington is not ahead of Jorge Masvidal in my head for a potential title fight. If Masvidal is able to get past uh, Wonderboy Thompson coming up this Saturday, mm-hmm. Colby Covington mm-hmm. does not deserve a title fight by any means. So Not even close. Definitely did not talk his way into a title fight with Tyron Woodley for you? No, no. Um, but maybe. I don't know. I mean, to me... A lot of it depends on if Mosfidal wins. If Wonderboy wins, then I guess Colby is there. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think that he got closer to a title fight with his mouth by any means. With his performance, absolutely. But with his, like, it doesn't, I, I don't, I don't crave to see Covington fight Woodley. I really don't. I do crave to see Mosfidal fight Woodley because I think it'd be a hell of a fight. But, um... You know, I think that Colby Covington uh, fighting Tyron Woodley, it, it would be an odd pre-fight build because Covington would say a lot of stuff. Woodley probably wouldn't engage him, which would make Tyron Woodley even more of a heel to the fans. And the real heel, the guy that's like insulting an entire nation, uh, Colby Covington will probably be heralded and, you know, beloved as the new Chael Sonnen. Yeah, I did not like his comments, but his apology... His uh, his doubling down. Have you have you seen this? Yeah, this? yeah, yeah. I, I saw this. I saw this. Let, let let me read this to our our listeners who may not be in the know. So this was issued on Colby Covington's official uh, official and verified Twitter account on uh, Sunday at twelve thirty six p.m. ET, and he says, "This is my formal apology for UFC Sao Paulo. I went to work last week. I was screamed at, spit at." assaulted with water bottles and other objects by an angry mob and serenaded by 10,000 voices yelling, you are going to die. My employer had to place security at my hotel room to protect me. I would like to formally apologize to any filthy animal I offended by comparing them to my host in Sao Paulo. Yes. Doubling down. (laughs) I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I appreciate it, right? Like, that's a heel. That's a good heel. He's doing what he can. I mean, Colby Covington, until recently, was the guy that John Jones roomed with at Iowa Central. You know what I mean? Like, he was this outside fringe contender who may be good one day. We don't really know. But he used to sleep in the same room as John Jones. And now, Colby Covington, I don't need to tell you who he is. But... The the, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll go on to be this great heel and be like Chael Sonnen, but it, it seems a bit desperate. Honestly, it just seems a bit desperate. Uh, the 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 doubling down with the apology made it seem a bit more genuine, um, and maybe true to his form. But we're we're at a time where I mean, remember back in the day, George St. Pierre, who's fighting Michael Bisping for a title, a uh, middleweight title coming up on Saturday. He had to get down on his hands and knees and beg Dana White for a title fight. David Loazzo was his back uh, backup kneeler. Like, they were begging in in the octagon. I loved it. I like it. Now it's just like, I'm going to act like an idiot. Yeah, exactly. I did it, and I did it. And now it's just like, ah. And I did it. I'm going to insult everybody. 
I'm going to be ridiculous, and we'll see if I can jump the line. I feel like if he had a PR person behind him advising him on what to do following the unfortunate incident on Saturday night, because I feel like what he did Saturday night is not good. And in this climate of uh, just uh, his position as a white man in America, his words are going to be under the microscope and scrutiny more than pretty much any other uh, group in the entire world. And he he threw himself under the bus on Saturday night. But to come back the next day and double down and show that this is a heel thing and this is a, you know, this, right. uh, this is kind of tongue in cheek. I feel like it was uh, probably a good move for him to address it just like this because if he doesn't say anything, his comments on Saturday night are going to get him in trouble. Well, that, that, um, that is maybe true. suspended or cut, and pro- probably not suspended or cut. But I mean, I, I think it definitely would have looked worse. Like now, he's he's uh, he's he's marrying the bit. Like he's he's aligning himself with this guy. Now, I'm curious though. Here here's the thing, and. A lot of people thought that this was going to fall off the rails for him after he lost to Nate Diaz. But to be a really great professional heel, you've got to say the right things when you lose. And Conor McGregor did that when he lost to Nate Diaz. If Colby mm-hmm. Covington goes out and fights Tyron Woodley or or fights somebody else and, and loses, it may just all go by the wayside. Like, that steam, that heat that you can get it's great if you can maintain the winning streak that goes along with it to where people care, but if you can't say the right things and lose the same sort of... I, I mean, Chael Sonnen, Chael Sonnen lost basically every big fight he's ever had, but people still are interested in him fighting and, and what he's going to do because he says the right things. Now, the right things are right. completely wrong, but Chael gets away with it. But Chael, when you look at Chael, and I think even in society, we quickly realize that that is shtick. And Chael is in character at press right. conferences. And he said things that are kind of in line with Colby Covington in his uh, – in, in lead up to promotion with his uh, two fights with Anderson Silva. I remember comments like these. Maybe not saying, hey, people from Brazil are animals and this place is a dump. But uh, well, definitely things along the lines of this is a dump. Um, misogynistic things about Anderson Silva's wife, right. getting a beer and making steak. Right. He said things that were just as bad as Colby Covington. Well, I mean, but let's not forget. Chael, as, as an, I'm sorry to uh, cut you off, but just on that, on, on you know, sort of disrespecting Brazil. Let's not forget the Minotauro Minotauro uh, conversation where Chael said that uh, they had to get out and feed the bus carrots. You remember that? <laughs> you know, so like, not, he, yeah, yeah. So he said that the bus broke down and Minotauro was on it. And Minotaur got out and tried to feed the bus carrots so it could run again. Okay, so but recognizing Chael, yeah, you're not going to take, you're not going to hold him accountable for his words because he's in character, right? And you just you just accept that he's being a heel, right? I mean, is ever going to hold him responsible, right? Colby Covington handled this exactly like Chael Sonnenwolf, and I think he's going to survive because of how he handled it. I'm going to need it a few more times. I'm going to have to try it on a little bit more. Um, and, and I'm curious how he's going to deal with defeat. Um, and maybe and he doesn't it, lose, but it just Ch- Chael was able well, to say crazy things. And, and like when I say, hey, Chael Sonnen, uh, you're going to you're gonna fight in Bellator. You're coming off the suspension. 
should we be worried about your upcoming drug test? And he's like, tell all my haters that I have a higher juice concentrate than Tropicana. Like, if someone <laughs> just says that and you never talked to them before, you're like, what is this guy's problem? But, I mean, may- maybe we'll feel that way about Colby Covington being a Chael Sonnen-like uh, heel if, if you know, we're just around it a bit more. Yeah, and if he if he gets the fight he's asking for, we will be seeing how he reacts to a loss, I believe, because he is not ready for Tyron Woodley. No. And uh, I think that Tyron Woodley bre- beats the brake pads and the rotors off of Colby Covington right now. We'll, we'll find out. Um, so I have the luxury of doing two interviews today with Tyron. I didn't ask the questions. Bruce Buffer did and John Anik did. But you can tell that Tyron Woodley is beyond annoyed with Colby Covington. And I guess one good thing for Colby is if he does want this fight, he's getting the reaction from the champion that you would want. I I mean, if Tyron Woodley said, sure, I'll fight Colby Covington if that's who's next, I don't really care. I didn't pay attention to what he said. I think that would be... That would make it less likely that Colby's going to get him than what Tyron is basically saying, going, I think he's ridiculous. I don't really want to pay him any attention. You know, the problem with him and trying to be like Chael Sonnen is at least Chael Sonnen was witty and funny. He's not. Uh, Those are the type of responses and reactions that if I was Colby Covington, I would be like, oh, I'm under his skin. This dude doesn't even like me Mm. already, and we haven't even really gone to war. Um Tyron has talked about Colby Covington in the past. Um, you know, they they both trained at, at American Top Team. It is funny to look at the welterweight success as of late at ATT. And, uh, you know, I mean, Masvidal, we're talking about Masvidal. He's an American Top Team product. Colby Covington, American Top Team product. and Former. Uh, oh, former? Not there anymore? Yeah, he was. Oh, that's right. He was run today. That's right. Um, and Ricardo Laborio out at yeah, ATT. Yeah, which is that uh, a Laborio-less ATT. That's... ATT. Oh, so strange. But no, South Florida, I mean, uh, got its fingerprints all over this welterweight division. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a, just weird, weird stuff going on there, AT&T. What, what do you think the, the reason for uh, Laborio is out? It seemed a little weird that on the – he took the opportunity to address uh, the MMA community and tell them that he was no longer with ATT yep. as he was taking a shot at Colby Covington for his award Saturday night. How, 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 how weird does that sound? It's it's very strange, but I mean at the at the same time, Ricardo Laborio is the like the father. He's the godfather, the grandfather of American Top Went Team. Went straight from B from BTT to right. form ATT. That's right, and uh, I mean an original. Not a lot of people really look at Laborio and and hold him in the high regard that I think a lot of people should. I mean, casual fans don't really understand who. Laborio is. Um, I mean, is he, he the one that fought Rico Schiparelli? Yes, absolutely. He I is. thought that's what it was. And is that his only MMA fight? I believe so. I believe so, but I don't know. I mean, every highlight that I've ever seen of Laborio is him just crushing people in in jujitsu. Um, when you when you look at Ricardo Laborio, and 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 him coming out and saying this and, and chastising Colby. Um, you got to stop and take notice because Laborio is a, a pioneer in the game in so many ways. 
Um, why is he out? I, I don't know. I, I, I have heard, uh, you know, through the grapevine that he really wasn't spending a lot of time in Coconut Creek. I think he lives up north, more in central Florida, and um, he wasn't around as, as much as he used to. I know um, he uh, his daughter suffers from uh, some medical issues, and uh, that, that sort of consumes him. Um, I, I hope he's happy. I hope whatever he's doing going forward is is plentiful and, and satisfying for him in life. But American Top Team, clearly uh, not the same without Ricardo Laborio. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, move on to some of the uh, other uh, weekend stuff here before uh, before we have to close out. Um, quick rankings update. Uh, Derek Brunson taking care of Le- uh, Leota Machida is going to stay at number 10 at 185. Uh, Colby Covington uh, swapped spots. I'm sorry, he didn't swap spots. He actually knocked uh, Kamaru Usman out of the uh, top 10 and moved up to number eight. Uh, Usman to the bubble. Uh, John Lineker making a return to action, getting back in the top 10 at 135. And, uh, there was a little bit of discussion. This is something I want to talk to you about. A little bit of discussion uh, with uh, Pedro Munoz's impressive win, uh, the one-armed guillotine on Saturday. There was a little bit of discussion about moving him over Darian Caldwell from Bellator and uh, banishing Caldwell to the uh, the bubble list. But uh, it looks like that is not going to go through. Rankings will be out tomorrow morning. Who do you think is a more viable candidate to be a top 10 fighter? Is it Pedro Munoz or Darian Caldwell? I, I like Caldwell here. If I was buying stock, I, I would invest in Caldwell. The The problem, though, is when you're fighting in Bellator, it's just very hard to get that shine over a UFC fighter. Very difficult. And and he's maintaining it. But, yeah, I mean, w- what's the limit? Like, there is a glass ceiling if you're fighting in Bellator. Like, right now, if you're fighting in Bellator at middleweight, like, maybe you beat Gegard Mousasi and you can catapult to the top three or top five. But for, for the most part... When you're fighting in Bellator, you're just not getting the opponents necessary to climb the ranks. And I'm sorry, for, for a few weight divisions inside Bellator MMA, you can be the number one contender or even the champion, and you're you're just not going to get past the bubble list or number ten. It's just it's very difficult. It is. And we were talking earlier about kind of uh, uh, preseason college football and the schedule not being where you'd want them. And then we talked about Tuesday night fights and how we really appreciate that they're kind of unranked fighters and we're just seeing them seeing them for the first time and, and seeing them fight instead of, you know, kind of watching highlights and then, you know, getting a feel for who they are before we, we actually see them compete. I like that we get to see them compete without really knowing who they are. Weekend, TJ, at UFC UFC 217, this is not a case of that. And this is truly, truly a stacked card. And I'm going to back up my statement by putting out all of the ranking matters uh, that are going to go into this. You have no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight ranked fighters competing Saturday night at UFC 217. Uh, number one, Michael Bisbing taking on an unranked George St. Pierre. That unranked fighter uh, previously held uh, not only the 170-pound uh, number one spot for years, but also the pound-for-pound pound list uh, for quite some time. So uh, uh, gigantic stuff there. Number one, Cody Garbrandt taking on number three, TJ Dillashaw. Number one, Joanna Jacek taking on number five, Rose Namajunas. Number three, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson against number nine, Jorge Masvidal and... Uh, 
bubble lister Ovin St. Prue. I cannot remember who he's fighting, but he is fighting an unranked fighter. Corey Anderson. So just Corey Anderson. Thank you. So really, really impressive stuff this weekend coming up. And we already talked a little bit about the Bellator card as well. A little bit of ranked action going on with Bader against Vassal, uh, Phil Davis against Leonardo Lighty. And uh, obviously the uh, the female title fight between Alama Leigh McFarlane and Emily Ducati. So lots of ranked action going on this weekend. This is definitely not preseason uh, no. uh, or pre Big Ten college football. No, and uh, you know I, I'd like to uh, encourage everyone to get over to SureDog.com on Thursday night as we kick off this fight weekend uh, with Tachi Palace fights uh, 33, the 33rd incarnation of uh, TPF. And I don't even know what number mixed martial arts show. Uh, on those grounds because uh, WEC, PFC, TPF. Uh, Jordan Breen and I are, are looking back at WEC 17 Halloween Fury 4 on Collapsed MMA. And uh, it, it's so crazy looking back uh, to 2005. Uh, mixed martial arts alive and well. And a lot of it centered uh, on HDNet and, and Access TV uh, or, uh, or TPF. Um, Tachi Palace fights. Sorry. Tachi Palace Hotel in casino um it, it's crazy like all the fighters that have come through that place uh it, it's special for me to be a part of and uh yeah we got uh, i think a couple title fights coming up on thursday night you can watch them live and free on suredog.com um this ufc card though uh i mean i say it's the biggest ufc of the year because people are making it out to be i don't think that this card for me personally is as exciting as uh, the UFC at the end of uh, July with uh, Woodley Maya, um, Cyborg and Avenger, and then Jones and Cormier. But I can see why you would favor this one uh, over everything else. I mean, I was very curious to see how all three of the aforementioned fights in in July were going to work out. I was very interested in Avenger fighting Cyborg because I, you know, called Tawny's last few fights and Invicta and the, the style clash between Woodley and Maya, I, I know people don't like the way it played out, but it was very intriguing to me. And, you know, John Jones and, and Daniel Cormier, I mean, that was that was a fight that, you know, I, I was truly excited for. In, in hindsight, like, just what a debacle that card ended up being. You know, people will crap all over Woodley's performance with Maya for eternity. Um, you know, Cyborg, you know, got it done over Evinger, who was tough, but I, a moral victory for Evinger isn't, uh, saving face for that card, and we all know what happened with John Jones. Um, it, it's funny though for me, Mike, when George St. Pierre walked away four years ago, I probably would have said, Okay, it's going to be four years until GSP comes back and he's going to fight for a middleweight title. Um, if you said he was going to fight Michael Bisping when he came back for a middleweight title, I probably would have called you a liar. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is happening, and for whatever reason, I just don't feel like this return for GSP is what I thought it would be four years ago, two years ago, a year ago when it was talked about. I, I don't know if it's because, you know, there's there's constantly things going on in, in mixed martial arts, but it, this doesn't feel, I, I don't feel the hype like I thought I would for a GSP return in, in Madison Square Garden. Um, I do not see the hype here on SureDog. Uh, Google Analytics is not showing me uh, uh, anything special for, uh, at least not yet, and usually for a pay-per-view card of this magnitude. Um, the signs are there of a buzz. I do not see it. I do not hear it. Uh, it. I don't think it exists. 
I think that uh, people had had enough of George St. Pierre. Um, I have an unpopular opinion of George St. Pierre that I've shared with you. And uh, mm-hmm. it, you certainly you certainly didn't agree with it. And I actually got some flack for, from it. But uh, I told you before, I would not pay 10 cents to watch George St. Pierre fight. I think he's boring. Uh, I, I just I do not find any pleasure in watching him compete. And uh, I, I, I think fans agree with this one. I don't think they're willing to uh, to travel. First of all, travel to right. the mecca of, of mixed martial arts, which is Madison Square Garden. Ticket sales by uh, I'm not going to say by all accounts. I believe that it was actually Joe Rogan, uh, a UFC, uh, you know, a connected guy with the UFC who first came out and said, hey, this, this this show isn't selling shit. Right. And and so peop, not only are people not wanting to travel, mm-hmm. met, Metro New York people aren't wanting to go. Yeah. And I don't think people are going to be willing to knock off 70 bucks for this thing either. No, it's it's very difficult to sort of put your finger on why uh, it's going down the way it is going. Um, one thing that I think, though, is to sort of attribute maybe this lack of interest is something that you didn't mention. And that is still the hangover from... Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that people are only going to spend money on these crazy super fights that we never thought were possible to get that casual fan. Without the casual fan, you're not going to get you know, the massive, massive paydays. Now, no one really thought about Michael Bisping fighting George St. Pierre. This is definitely this weird fight that you probably only thought was going to be available in a video game. But with that said... If I opened up the UFC video game and threw Michael Bisping in the cage with George St. Pierre as the first fight, you would look at me and be like, why did you pick that? Like, why didn't why didn't you go GSP Woodley? Why don't you go GSP Anderson Silva? I, I don't know if this is anything on on Michael Bisping's account or George St. Pierre's account. It's just it's not it, it's it's that crazy super fight that we never thought possible, but it's also that crazy super fight that we never really cared about or wanted or yeah. needed. So I, don't I, know. I tried to search. I tried to search for a shit to give and I could not find it. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm not far off. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw. Love it. I'm excited for that fight. Uh, you want to in Jay check in, in uh, thug Rose, Nami Eunice. Like I, I love it. It's great. Um, it, it's weird to not feel excited about a fight. That's going to say a lot about legacy for both of these guys in Bisping in GSP, but uh, I could take it or leave it, I guess. So it's the main yeah, event. It's interesting. It's the main event, but only listen, because it goes on last. Listening to fans talk about who they think is going to win this fight. Yeah. It's overwhelmingly in support of George St. Pierre, which I agree with. I think George St. Pierre is handily going to win this fight. Pro fighters, on the other hand, I don't know if they just like Michael Bisming and don't like George St. Pierre. The majority of pro fighters that I've seen that have come out and talked about this, they think that Michael Bisming is going to knock him out. And I'm just kind of uh, wow. I don't I don't say I'm blown away, but I'm really surprised by the, you know, the the pro athletes really th- thinking that uh, George St. Pierre needs to stay in his own lane. I need and to go I'm, back. I'm surprised by that. I need to go back and maybe look at pros' picks uh, for GSP fights, but I kind of feel like GSP. Maybe maybe some pro fighters have wanted to see GSP lose because of his style, because of his conservative approach. Because I feel like people would. Not not like majority of the people would pick against GSP, but I always felt like there was a good amount of fighters that would sort of rally behind the underdog because they just wanted to see the rain end. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Um, Johnny Hendricks is Cut. fighting on Saturday night. Do you feel like Johnny Hendricks might actually show up? Because I haven't seen that dude in about four years. 
I just got the sudden urge to eat. Really? And eat junk food. Oh, like a Baconator? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's because you mentioned Johnny Hendricks? I think so. I think so. Is or he going to make weight? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, say what you want. I, uh, point to any number of things that you want. But for whatever reason, I don't know if there's a bigger bust in mixed martial arts history than Johnny Hendricks. Oh, and I, I hate it when people use the term bust for somebody that won a title. I don't yeah, like but, that. But, but, but again, he won a title and I mean, Johnny Hendricks era was about as memorable as Machida's. <laughs> the Johnny Hendricks era, Ugh. you know, he, left it on the scale. He, here's the thing. I, uh, I, I don't, I hate clickbait. Like it's the most obnoxious thing in the world, especially mixed martial arts themed clickbait. And the other day I ten saw assholes that need to retire. Well, I saw I saw ten most disgraced UFC champions. Okay, disgraced is a strong word. So I click on this thing, like, okay, who's the most disgraced champions? They said Michael Bisping was one of the most disgraced champions. What they meant to say was ten UFC champions that have yet to live up to expectations or failed to live up to expectations. And disgraced athlete would be Ray Carruth. Like like not Michael. I'm I'm with you. Like you, if you're a disgraced athlete, like you can't go home. You can't show your face. You walk into a room and people just look at him like, "Oh my god, look at that guy." But to a certain extent, Johnny Hendricks to me could actually be on a list of disgraced champions because he failed to live up to to that hype. I thought I thought he was going to be the best 170 pounder of all time. I really did. I thought with his wrestling ability and his left hand, if he was able to maintain the pace that got him a title fight with George St. Pierre, he was going to do really great things. Uh, unfortunately, the wheels fell off and they fell off in the biggest way. I mean, he he's known as the big rig. All 18 wheels fell off of that thing. <laughs> It's for flying behind the wheels and everything. Oh, man. Um, it was bad. I, I hope for Johnny Hendricks he can figure it out, but uh, that, that would be stock that I'm not buying. Yeah, and not just that, man. Look at what he's facing this weekend. 26-year-old undefeated Borishinya. That's a, that, that's, a, that's a tough fight for oh, a guy yeah. that's kind of on a downside. There, there are no favors being thrown Johnny Hendricks' way, and I believe that this is the pay-per-view opener, and uh, usually if history tells us anything that pay-per-view opener they they try to make some fireworks happen and i yeah. i think that johnny hendrix may be the one that gets blown up future bellator heavyweight champion johnny oh, hendrix oh my god <laughs> you're probably not wrong did you say welterweight or middleweight i said heavyweight heavyweight oh man oh man um Couple years ago, I might have actually I said, said yes. I said heavyweight. Couple years ago, I might have said, "Yeah, you're, no doubt, he's got a legit shot." But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about James Vick and Joseph Duffy. I think that's going to be a fun fight. Uh, James Vick, such a tall, tall fighter. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let, let, let's make. Are you some... are you excited for Daniel Gillimore and? Oh man! So whoever he's fighting, Kyle. If people don't know about this, uh, video's <laughs> up now. I had a chance to play around with some technology. And to interview uh, Daniel uh, Gallimore, who's fighting the Professional Fighters League. 
And it is so interesting, the people that we chat with in, in this space. And talking to Gallimore, you know, talking about his opponent, Mike Kyle, and there are times when I feel like I'm giving a history lesson to these dudes who are fighting, you know, the guy that I'm talking about and that they don't really seem to know. I asked Daniel what he knew about Mike Kyle and any of the controversy around Mike Kyle, and you could tell that he thought I was basically asking him what it was like to fight a guy that some people said wasn't a really nice guy. Like, he, he didn't seem to totally know everything that I was alluding to. The the late stoppage of, I mean, when I say late stoppage, the, the inability to stop throwing punches when the referee's trying to rip you off a prone uh, fighter. Uh, Mike Kyle did that, was suspended indefinitely for it. Um, the, the biting of Wes Sims. We'll, we'll get to, to his response in the Wes Sims comment in a moment, but it, it's always intriguing to me to talk to a fighter where we're leading up to a fight we're nine days out at the time of recording and he seemed to have no real idea Mike Kyle and the controversies that truly surround this gentleman so explain to our listeners how he brought up his interaction his alleged interaction with Wes Sims so I mentioned that you know Wes Sims in his fight with Mike Kyle it most certainly looked like someone had bitten Wes Sims on his peck. And uh, Mr. Gallimore said, well, I, I, I wouldn't be too upset at Mike Kyle for biting Wes Sims because I met Wes Sims when I was an amateur in Vegas and I didn't really care for the gentleman. So Mike and I have that in common. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was an interesting comment. So this morning, as I go to post this video to SureDog, I am listening to the interview, trying to get a headline for it. And right away, I hear Wes Sims. And I turn up the volume because Wes Sims is, uh, I'm not going to try to beat around the bush here. Wes Sims is my people. Uh, he is uh, from the Columbus area. I have known Wes Sims since he was, uh, the, literally the first thing I ever heard about Wes Sims, Wes Sims is six foot eight. The, the first thing that I ever heard about Wes Sims was from Brandon Lee Hinkle. Uh, who is a, a guy that trained exclusively with Kevin Randleman and uh, Mark Coleman, uh, a UFC veteran. He fought, uh, who's the guy that fought Kimbo and the, you know, what I'm talking about the cop, the uh, Boston cop. Yeah, Sean Gannon. Sean Gannon. So Brandon Lee Hinkle was the first to tell me about Wes Sims, and he described him as a seven foot basketball star from Lancaster, Ohio. And uh, Wes is tall, but he's not quite seven foot, and he wasn't quite a basketball star. But a basketball player from Amanda Clear Creek, I think, uh, it's kind of in between here and Columbus, Ohio. Um, ever since Wes retired, uh, I have kept tabs with him. I do consider him a friend uh, now that he is no longer fighting. So I immediately picked, picked up my phone and asked him about his interaction with uh, Daniel uh, Gallimore. And uh, Wes categor categorically denies having inter any interaction with with him said he's said he's never met him uh literally says who is he i think he's making that up because honestly i don't know who he is and i'm always super nice to people i think that's kind of tongue-in-cheek hmm. i just looked him up and i don't recall ever seeing him before that's a guy who looks pretty memorable think he's trying to get a fight started with me hope his dick can reach his ass so he can go fuck himself Oh, that is Wes Sims on Daniel Gillimore. <laughs> and uh, the last sentence, I think, uh, verifies it that, yes, only someone like Wes Sims would say something <laughs> quite like that.
Uh, yes. I, I could see Wes Sims not remembering him. Um, you know, Wes Sims is a, uh, he's a big dog. You know what I mean? He's, he's, uh, I mean, I know Gallimore's big Kansas, but, you know, Wes Sims, a guy who fought. Carry on my way. Oh, I knew you were going to do it. Um, da, da, da. What a guitar riff, by the way. Just sign me oh, up for that. Um, <laughs> Wes Sims is a guy who's fought all over the world, uh, fought some of the biggest names uh, in the sport. Um, I could see Wes Sims not remembering an amateur fighter at the time. But I don't know. I'm not going to call Wes Sims a liar. Um I, I don't know. I, I don't want to see him fight Daniel Gallimore for the record. Yeah, and Wes, I'm pretty sure Wes is retired. Well, uh, has not taken in several years. Every mixed martial artist is retired until they're not. This is true. This is true. And you can't tell me so, that Wes Sims doesn't wake up in the middle of the night going, man, I just want to kick the shit out of somebody. Maybe stomp their face. In Columbus, that's just a part of the part of the life here, and I'm sure that if he wants to get physical, I'm sure that there are are plenty of willing people. Yeah, we should get Wes on the show sometime. Maybe just like a guest host. That'd be fun. Yeah, get ready for the the train to completely off the rails. It'd be a project. You're a producer, and I know that you like to have things kind of kind of flow, and you like to be in control. I have to tell you, if Wes comes on. You will have no control. I've interviewed Nick Diaz many times, sir. I know what it's like to not have control of your own radio show. I also know what it's this like is to true. do. I also know what it's like to do an interview, uh, maybe three times over with Nick Diaz, and then never uh, share it with anybody. Yeah. Well, Nick just kind of rambles on and does his own thing. It's with true. Us, you are you are going full pro wrestling demo. I mean, like if I you're said, set to record for an hour, you're getting three hours of pro wrestling demo. Like, like I said, like I said, it'd be a project. Get it? Get it? Be a project. Okay, there you go. Project. What? The no. big a-hole show. Do you remember that? Uh, no. I don't. You know who the whole, was it the, the whole show? That was the, the dude from WCW that went back to WWF? The giant? Oh, yeah. The, the whole big, show? The, the big show. The big show. I thought it was the whole show. No. At one big. point, the whole show. Well, well, it's the big show. It's a big Wes Sims bad is, show tonight. Wes Sims was the a hole show. There you go. Uh, he branded it himself. That, that's that's not a friendly joke. Remember, uh, remember SWAT, the Sims whoop ass tour. I do, and I I always remember it because I love the analogy you made with BJ Penn. When people try to talk shit about BJ Penn, you're like, no, dude. Yeah, no. This he, guy went on his own whip ass tour. That's true. And that's exactly what it was. It was a whip ass tour. Yeah. Uh, and he nearly beat Leoto Machida for the record. So, uh, any picks that uh, you, you, you're comfortable making here for UFC 217? Oh, I got GSP, Garbrandt, Jan Jacek. Uh, the one I'm really undecided about is uh, Wonderboy Masvidal. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go Masvidal on this one. I think he's tougher. Dang it. Uh, He's a little bit more gamey, man. Get, he gets in ah. there, he, he bites down his mouthpiece, pins his ears back. I'm going with that one, and I think Boricina is going to upset Johnny Hendricks. You know, I wanted to come up with a fancy pants bet, but you literally took every bet that I was going to make. Like, I'm in line with you 100% all the way down to Masvidal, who's a slight dog, and uh, Boricina, who may or may not be an underdog. I don't know, but uh, I feel like 
those those are the those are the winners right there. Parlay it up. Yeah, who you got for Bellator? Uh, you got Bader or Vassal? Uh, I sell. Let me get the little uh, I got accent. I got. I'll pay attention to it when I read the recap and have no real emotion one way or the other until then. <laughs> Uh, McFarland, Ducote, uh, first first uh, uh, title fight for females in that division in Bellator history. Yeah, we can give us a little. We can give us a little bit of shine. I think Alima Lay McFarland is is really really good. I think she's underrated. A uh, fantastic jujitsu, good top game as well. Um, while I don't think it'll be a viral sensation like uh, Explode Fight Series was, uh, I think Alima Lay will will walk out the champ. Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm gonna go against you here. I'm gonna go with Ooh. Emily Ducati. I think that she, she's shown some real toughs, uh, kind of in the same mold as uh, Masvidal. Just kind of get in there, bite her mouthpiece down, pin her ears back, and get after it. And I like that kind of fighter. I like that kind of fighter in a five round. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm going that direction. Uh, I, that's really all I'm comfortable with uh, predicting from the Bellator card. But I will say, if you see one thing or two things from this card. Friday night, let it be Ed Ruth, who's 3-0, and taking on Chris Dempsey. And also, Logan Storley is going to put his 6-0 and record against Matt Sakor. So these are two very high-level wrestlers that Bellator has signed as prospect. Think uh, uh, an Aaron Pico-type situation here without the uh, uh, the big step-up in competition for their first fight. These guys are being brought along slowly and the right way, the Scott Coker way. And uh, I, I think eventually they will become stars. I, I really, really like both of these guys, Ed Ruth and Logan Storley. I think you and I hit on something earlier in the show, and I would like to see Bellator do it and implement it. I, I would love to see them have a contender series where uh, we're not forced to only see these guys fight, um, you know, when they can, you know, troll out a main event on, on Spike TV. And uh, maybe there's something to... Uh, highlighting your prospects in main events uh, when maybe the expectations don't need to be so high uh, as far as a rating would go. Like, I would feel a lot better about what Bellator is doing if the the proper shine was given to these prospects. But obviously, when you're trying to get, you know, a million-plus uh, eyeballs, uh, very hard to do that by putting, you know, Ed Ruth in the main event on Spike TV. So, uh, I don't know. Bring us Monday night Bellator fights. We call it Bellator XC or something. Yeah. And stream it and, and let guys like Ed Ruth and Logan Storley and, uh, you know, some of these other younger prospects are bringing it. Let them headline. Let, let us get to know them on these smaller cards. Let them headline these smaller cards instead of finding these prelims that we're never going to see. Yeah. Bellator and I'll Mama tell you, Bell- Monday. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Bellator Mama Monday. I try to do that Bellator like voice, by the way. Like that guy, he's like, Bellator MMA, brought to you by David Busters. I think I think it's a good impersonation. I'm proud of that one. That, that's actually not too bad. You know the one that I can't stand is huh. the the guy that, it's the voice of Arby's, and he was in UFC promos there a couple years ago. Oh. We have the meat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I know exactly. You do all the UFC promos? Yeah. Oh, I know his name. I can't remember his name. Uh. But yeah, no, that's that's super annoying. Hey, you remember the old guy, yeah. the old voice guy, the dude, beef? It's what's for dinner. Yeah, I miss that guy. I like yeah. that guy. I also like the country croc guy. Remember the country croc guy? I don't remember the cut the country croc guy, but for me, there's only one voiceover person ever, and it's John Facenda, and everybody else is just kind of like. Eh. How, how about yeah. how about the guy from Motel Six? We'll leave the light on for you. It sounds too friendly. Sure. There was something 
it, 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 there was a mystique and almost like Halloween sound to John Facenda and the way that he narrated those NFL films. Lambeau Field with a really That's super true. deep booming voice. The Frozen Tundra. Greatest- yeah, I can't. Lambeau Field. Yeah, I can't do it, but uh, I always wanted to be a voice guy. Unfortunately, I don't have the voice for it. It's Mike Fridley. Mike Fridley. On the Sure Dog Radio Show. On the Sure Dog Radio, the I have dog radio old, Show. I have some old voiceover work here from one TJ DeSantis. Oh, no. Is it? Is it? Uh, <laughs> I know exactly what it is. Like 101 techniques. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now shipping at SureDog.com. We play it for our listeners or no? I mean, if you can play it on your end, for sure. Yeah. That'd be fine. I'm, I'm super. I'm, I'm like three octaves higher and a little bit more nasally. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I have this handy right now. Oh my god! Why did you keep those? I just found them, and I I just found it again. I got it. Oh no! Actually, I don't think I'm plugged in to do that right now. Oh, I heard that. Though. I heard that just fine. I, it was background instead of being pumped through. That was uh, that was that was the old promo where it's like K1 Heroes WEC International Fight League. Technical issues. We're working it out. One submissions, chapter three, takes you around the planet to the toughest competitors. Through some of the top grapplers in the sport today to show you the best part of the fight, the finish. The finish. Now shipping at SureDog.com. I can't even do that. The finish. The finish. Now shipping at SureDog.com. Best part of the fight, the finish. The money shot. That was better than than the the guy I replaced doing those things. That was you. That was me. That's true. <laughs> now shipping a shirt on home. <laughs> Me and Freddie DeFritis. Oh man, Freddie! I you're forgot still- about Freddie. What's, yeah, Freddie DeFritis. What's Freddie doing? Last I talked to Freddie was uh, last year, and I believe he was going to school. That's awesome. Uh, Breen and I just brought up Freddie the other day on Collapsed MMA because we did the Ultimate Fighter 14 finale, and he was one of the judges. For, really? our, for our shirt.com play by play, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, it, not a real judge. Sorry, it should have been more well, clear. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with something, and this is something that maybe we shouldn't be uh, too proud about, but uh, Freddie absolutely should be proud. Um, and uh, I knew about this, and this probably is a. I don't want to say it's a journalistic conflict because. Freddie really, I mean, there were times that he was a journalist and he did cover a few events for us. And mm-hmm. I believe this was after or well before. So it's not a direct conflict, but, uh, Freddie and I together did a sure dog highlight video for Gary Goodrich and Gary Goodrich liked the video so much that he invited Freddie to accompany him to Japan oh, wow. and be the official corner man for a K one fight. That's awesome. Actually, it might have been Pride. It was either oh a Pride my fight God, or that's even better. And and Freddie literally walks down the ramp holding the holding the water bucket for Gary. I was just like, oh my God, this is this is great for Freddie. Wow. All right, we got to come up with a bet because I was so excited to put together a bet, but we have no differences on our UFC card, so we got to go back to the Dude, football game. We got game. Ohio. Yeah, yeah. We got to go back to the football game. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to pick Iowa to be the outright winner. I can't, I can't, I want to, I want to be honest and true. I don't believe that is going to happen. Will you give me a seven and a half point spread? And I will take the over. So Ohio state will not 
cover that spread. So I guess I'm taking the under. Uh, Iowa keeps it within a touchdown. Let me see what the official spread is here. It's got to be 10, 10 and a half. Mm. At least that's what I'm thinking. But it is a Kinnick. It's going to be a blackout. It's going to be cold, I think. It's going to be real cold. Okay, it's 6.5. You're asking for seven? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll take the under of that. That's fine. 6.5. I'll take the under. I'll give you a seven. I'll give you a touchdown. Seven points. Perfect. What's the bet? What do you okay. want? It's got to be something for the program. Well, I mean, that'd be great and all, but what would be better uh, for the program than if you sent me a beautiful 12-pack of Diet Mountain Dew Code Red? We've discussed this. You just let me know, and I will send you Code Red uh, as a friend. No problem. We don't even need that on that. If you cannot get access to your lovely uh, caffeinated or decaffeinated soft drinks, I will hook you up. Perfect. Uh, so no problem there. Well, what do you what, – what, I mean – how how about how about how about this? The loser, the loser of this has to write a rap and perform it live on the radio uh, about how they're inferior to this radio program and uh, isn't really good enough to be on the air with the other. <laughs> okay, okay, so. We're actually gonna write a rap. So right. if I if I if I lose, I have to write a diss on myself. Yeah, a diss track on yourself, and I'll even provide like the musical beat. We can do we can we can do something from Odin Smith's labs here. Okay, well, okay, okay. Don't forget that I too uh, do have a, a producing background in, in hip hop, so I I can produce my own track. Okay, all right. If, uh, if, I'm gonna if, steal if, something. I have from my own Odin. track here. I'll steal something from Odin if I need to do it. I will do this track right here. Let me find it. Actually, I can't find it. So, yeah. I'll, that, that sounds like that sounds like me. perfect. That's that's what it is. Then, I'm excited and terrified because I'm probably not going to win, and I'm not a good rapper. Yeah. As the music plays, how old is Keith Jardine this week? Ooh, uh, thirty-seven. Forty-two. Oh, dang favorite Keith Jardine moment is beating Chuck Liddell at uh, UFC 76. Yes. Uh, uh, my favorite Keith Jardine moment is uh, just his nickname. The Dean of Mean Keith Jardine. Come on, dude. Very few nicknames or, are as good as that. Or him whipping Forrest Griffin's ass and Forrest flipping to tap out and then saying, I wasn't tapping out. Right. Yeah. No, that was that. it was at the time that Forrest like ran out of the cage crying. That was Anderson Silva. Was but, it? I, w I would have ran out crying, too, after that Anderson Silva fight. Forrest was not very good at losing. No. No, he wasn't. Joe Warren. Ooh. Uh, so, celebrating a tomorrow. 36. 41. 41. Dang it. Yeah. And still quite relevant. That's an accomplishment. Uh, for me, beating up Joe Soto, rallying to beat Joe Soto, I thought that was kind of a weird first round. And uh, coming out in the second round and just lit him up something serious. Didn't and uh, actually gave Joe Soto a, a career-threatening injury uh, with a, with the, de the detached retina. Didn't he beat Kid Yamamoto in his MMA debut or something like that? No, I think it was his second fight. Okay. That's my uh, favorite Joe, Joe Warren yeah. moment. Wasn't it the same night, though? Like, wasn't it a tournament or something? 
It's possible. I remember mm-hmm. he he pretty much came out of nowhere. Uh, him him and uh, King Mo were, yeah. were kind of thrust right into the deep waters of, of either Deep or Sengoku. Sengoku. I, can't remember. I mean that is yeah. Sengoku was like I paid attention to Sengoku because of those two. Yeah, because King Mo had didn't he fight Travis View? He did his MMA debut or something. He did. Yeah. If it wasn't a debut, it was his second fight for sure. Yeah. Miles Jury. How old do you think he is? The Fury. Um, I have no idea. Uh, twenty-eight. Ooh, one one year, twenty-nine. Dang. Jerry Bolander. Ooh, Bolander. Where's he? Uh, forty-four. One year. He's forty-three. And is there a finer Jerry Bolander moment than beating Scott Feroza? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. And Feroza's my statesman, but Bolander putting it on uh, the pit bull. Cub Swanson. Uh, 33. 34. 34. Give me a Cub moment. Uh, man, I don't know if I want to bring this up. I, I'm kind of sour on Cub. Like, you know, Cub Swanson won't talk to me to this day. I did not know that. You should know this. You'll remember this story. Uh, Jeff Sherwood and I interviewed Cub Swanson, who accidentally said that he thought his brother could beat Jose Aldo on the night that, uh, Cub Swanson lost to Jose Aldo. And we didn't correct him because Jeff and I pretty much knew what Cub was saying. But uh, there was a writer who wrote the recap and quoted Cub for what he actually said and ran a story that said Cub Swanson thinks his brother can beat Jose Aldo. And uh, Cub freaked out at me. I then talked to the writer who said, absolutely not. I'm not writing a retraction because that's what he actually said. And then someone else wrote a follow-up to the article where Cub said what he meant in a follow-up interview. And uh, we did that. And Cub still won't talk to me. Both of these were on Sherdog? Yeah. Who was the first writer that refused? Joe Hall. My Oh, really? Mm-hmm. My, my guy. And Mike Whitman. My guy, Joe Hall. Mike Whitman wrote the retraction. Joe Hall. I'm sorry that the, that his name came up here in, a, in an unfortunate light because uh, Joe is the most talented uh, person I've ever worked with at Sherdog and uh, well, the person that I consider to be my mentor. I can see why Joe doubled down and didn't want to write a retraction because Joe didn't make a mistake. He took what mm-hmm. Cub said at face value. But I think if you're sitting there doing the interview, you know that Cub Swanson is not saying that his brother, who has never fought before, can beat up Jose Aldo. What, what yeah. Cub was trying to say was, my brother could have beat me up that night. Why am I... Maybe this is an LSD flashback fucking with my brain, mm-hmm. but why why am I adding this somehow to the Ulysses Gomez? Do you remember that he had a brother mm-hmm. that is on the, the national yeah. soccer team? Or Hercules. Something? Hercules Gomez, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't there something about him saying something about his brother... Uh, fighting MMA and beating someone. Uh, I don't maybe remember. Maybe my, my, my paths are just being crossed there. Yeah. I got one more for you, and I think you're going to like it. All right. Tamden McCrory. The Barn Cat. Um, Better how- nickname. The Barn Cat or the Barn Owl? Who's the Barn Owl again? Guy from Oregon. I don't remember his name. Was part of Team Quest back in the day. Oh, yeah, Fought yeah. Fought in the IFL. Um, uh, God, what is his name? Enoch Wilson? I don't think so. No? Enoch Wilson doesn't need a nickname, does he? That's true. He's crazy enough. a great name. He's also crazy enough, though, to have the nickname The Barn Owl. Um, 
Ian Loveland. Ian Loveland was the barn owl? That's right. Barn he owl, yes, he just had that rainbow trout on his back. That's what I always think about. Um, I, I almost watched Ian Loveland get arrested in a Portland <laughs> airport one time. Um, let's see here. Tandem McCrory is going to be 38 years old. 31. 31. Dang. Yeah, it's not fair because he, he started losing his hair when he was like 16 years old. <laughs> Poor guy. Me too, though. So there you go. See, you, you just got me on another topic because you, you talked about his tattoo. We've got what long today, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm, I've been enjoying it. But anyway, what were you going to say? What is the what is your favorite? I'm sure that we could easily come up with the worst tattoo in oh, MMA. Yeah, that's easy. What is the best tattoo in MMA? Best tattoo in mixed martial arts. Oh man, um, it's bad because I'm not a huge tattoo guy. Uh, it's it's bad in so many ways, but I kind of love it. But uh, Darren Elkins, the damage across his chest is so disgusting. I kind of <laughs> love it. Um, you know, I'm a fan of the really shitty. Uh, jailhouse tattoo style, you know, that looks like right. it was done by yeah. your neighbor right. with a needle and, and some ink. Yeah, just give me that There's, coat hanger and let's go. I've always been passionate towards the Gadsden flag. Do you know what that is? No. The Gadsden flag was considered to be the official flag of the United States of America before others felt that uh, the Stars and Stripes would be more appropriate. And the Gadsden flag is the the famous coiled snake with the yellow background. Don't tread on me. Oh yeah, got it. Wow. Matt L- Matt Lindland's "Don't tread on me." Oh, the snake on his. Uh... Is, is my... Go ahead. And like just uh, just pale skin and yeah. just that. Because that isn't teamed with like some random Yosemite Sam tattoo. Right. You know, like, like a lot of awful MMA tattoos. To just think that this guy just has the Gadsden flag on his body somewhere and he is Matt Lindland and I think it fits that is my favorite tattoo in all of mixed martial arts I, I figured out what my favorite tattoo is and it's simple and it is technically tribal and I know a lot of tribal tattoos get shit on for you know what it's worth in mixed martial arts because it's just ridiculous but uh, Genki Sudo's bird on his back Oh, yeah, that is a dope one. Yeah, love it. I, I'm also going to give it to, uh, I'm not going to sexualize any women here or disrespect them, but I'm going to offer a personal preference here. My personal preference towards a woman is I do not like tattoos on a woman. Um, that's just me. That's not, that's not a, a thing against their character. That's just my personal uh, sexual preference. Right. I'm not uh, done by a woman with a tattoo. I think that Lamalee McFarland has uh, some really cool ink on her side. That the I don't want to call it Samoan, but it's like the yeah uh, the South Pacific yep. uh, the body art on the side yeah and how it, thing about Matt Lindland how it's not teamed with some other stupid tattoo right it's just that one tattoo is their statement I like that yeah no I like that too I uh, I also have a a bit of a complex with women and uh, tattoos because my mother has tattoos and uh, oh you know yeah it's the last thing you want to be thinking You're gonna- about. You're getting personal, so I'm going to get personal, too. Okay. My porn preference. Uh-oh. I will not do the deed to a woman with tattoos. I have to search for a woman without tattoos to do my thing. I, uh, True story. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, I do want to talk about the worst tattoos on the way out real quick. Worst tattoo in MMA. Go. Worst tattoo in Are you going to go with Alan Belcher's Johnny Cash? It's hard not to, but right. it seems so cliche that I can't. Um, 
Give me Boz Rutan with the stupid things on the, on his palms. Cool story, though, about those. Come on. Enlighten us. Uh, I believe he has an R on one of his palms, which he put there because he wanted to remind himself to relax when he was fighting in Pancras. And he would see that, and he would relax. Um, worst tattoo, I think, in mixed martial arts, not the Johnny Cash that is melting on Alan Belcher's arm. Um, Joe Riggs, aqua looking <laughs> diesel yeah and then also too on his right or left arm on his bicep the aqua awkward tattoo continues and it morphs into this armband that says nhb it's disgusting oh man i forgot i forgot about that one yeah do you remember when people used to actually call this for nhb it'd be like mma hyphen nhb right and you'd have to explain well it's mixed martial arts hyphen no holds barred right do you remember who coined the phrase mixed martial arts? Was it uh, Big Big John McCarthy or was it the commentator? Uh, not Bruce Beck, the guy that's passed. Oh, yes. what's his name? Greco the wrestling Ro- Yes, Greco-Roman oh. superstar Jeff Blatnick. Jeff Blatnick, yes. Sorry. One of my I didn't favorites. know it. I just couldn't off. Jordan Breen and I discussed how Jeff Blatnick was the true, the first true color commentator in mixed martial arts history. Probably one of the first real good people ambassadors, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Former UFC commissioner when that was a thing. Word. So, uh, all right, that pretty much does it. No beatdown on Friday. You're going to get a roundtable of myself, um, Jordan Breen, uh, Kid Nate from Bloody Elbow, and from MMAJunkie.com, Mike Bond. Putting money on the line, Fridley. Money, cash prize to the winner. Ooh. $100 to the winner. All right, I want to give you. Uh, I want to give you props before we get out of here because we talked football earlier. Yeah, I just want to tell people anybody question your football knowledge because I, I feel like uh, I threw you a softball with Alex Karras and you didn't get it. I want to disclose to our listeners that I have been playing fantasy football since 1997, and I have been in the final game countless, countless times. I am yet to win a fantasy football championship, and I know that the the man that I'm talking to, TJ DeSantis once beat me in the finals of the sure dog fantasy football league i am talking to a, a a past super bowl champion can i can i tell you something that's gonna just throw that out the window you cheated no i didn't log in once that year that's not true because that is no, true that's not true that is true well, I didn't well, then the commissioner in. well then the commissioner adjusted your lineup or something because you had you had multiple pickups like you were picking up people throughout the year like you, you won that really? championship because yeah, maybe it was yeah, a different if, league if that I won that I never signed up for, or never logged yeah, if, in. For. If you if you did not win this, then someone did your stuff for you because one, uh, you you cannot win a fantasy football championship in a league like this. I definitely by not managing I, your lineup. I definitely know that uh, no one did it for me, so I must have done it. I definitely won yeah, one so fantasy it, football league one year where I didn't do anything at all. Mm. One. You must have been playing in a league where nobody else did either because I remember you had a damn good team this year with a bunch of pickups, and I still remember Greg Savage writing on the message board, how in the hell did TJ DeSantis just oh, beat Oh, that's right. That's right, because I, I had uh, I had Adrian Peterson that year as my first-round pick. I remember that. I remember that because everyone called me a homer. And I think that was the year that he like had 375 yards in one game. 
And are more congrats in order? Um, I read something about uh, the Anik Florian podcast, uh, getting bigger in the world and doing some things on uh, an enhanced podcast. Do you have anything to do with this? Uh, yeah, uh, they're on Fox Sports now, and that doesn't really mean anything for me personally, but congrats to them. And I'm the producer, so I guess I'll throw it on the resume or something. We did congrats. it. Congrats. Yay, we did it. And I did it. And I did it. And I did it. Uh, I'll be back for Beaten After the Bell on Saturday night. Myself and Jordan Green are uh, going to be breaking down the, the biggest, greatest UFC of all time. Uh, or at least until the next one's bigger than this one. Um, and then, uh, again, please, Thursday night. Live and free on SureDog.com. Starts at 6 in the West here, 9 in the East. Tachi Palace fights 33. couple titles on the line. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Uh, join me and UFC Bantamweight Leslie Smith. Who joins me cage side in Lemoore? Uh, you'll probably see Jeff Sherwood hanging out in the crowd somewhere. Maybe you can wear a red hat like the old days. I miss oh, you. Oh, I miss Jeff. Yeah, me too. Uh, all right, Mr. Fridley, we'll check uh, check in with you on Monday. We'll recap the uh, weekend upcoming and uh, we'll move along with this uh, fun, crazy train known as Beatdown. How about them Cowboys? Mm, yeah. David Andrist. I was talking to him yesterday. I know you want to get out of here, but uh, right, I good. got a name. I got I got a name drop our boy, David Andrus, Digital Studio uh, 5A, I think, on Twitter. Is that his handle? Yes. Uh, texted me early yesterday morning to congratulate me on the Cowboys win before we even played because of all the Redskins injuries. And I had a, a quick, candid conversation with him. Just uh, wanted to uh, name drop one of the good guys, and he will be hosting the uh, the Tachi Palace stream on Thursday. So everyone be on the lookout. Leslie Smith, TJ DeSantis, David Andrist, uh, holding it down for sure dog at Tachi Palace Fights. And miss you, Jeff Sherwood. It, it's a fun time in Lemoore because I get to see Jeff, but also Tachi Palace Fights never, ever under-delivers when it comes to the violence and all the great things that make mixed martial arts so great. And so. Victor with a penis. Yes, what he said. On that note, you just got beat down on the Sure Dog Radio Network. Beat Down is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of the Sure Dog Radio Network. Its content is intended for private use only.